before we start today, I'd like to, as always, to ask the Lord that He will guide us and lead us in this study this morning. So please join me as I pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for your presence among us. Thank you because you welcome us into your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are so merciful that you give us always another chance. And we're looking forward, Lord, to a real encounter with you this morning. I ask, Lord, that you may use me as your instrument and nothing else. That the words I may say here may be the words that you have prepared for us. That I may be hidden behind the cross of Christ. That Christ be lifted up. We ask these blessings. We ask also that each heart and mind and ear this morning may be open and sensitive and humble to listen to your voice. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, every year there is a small number of people, when you compare that number to the entire population of the globe, there is a small number of people who do something quite unique. They climb up all the way to the top of Mount Everest, the highest mountain on earth. And in 2001, a man named Eric Weinheimer, Eric Weinheimer, I practiced many times to say this German name, and I hope I'm, I'm, I'm doing justice to the man's name. But this man was one of the 150 or so that every year do this. And you might think, what's so special about that? Because every year, 150 or so accomplish that. Well, this man, he, he was blind. He was the first blind person to do that. And he was born with, uh, he was born with a disease called, a disease on his retina called retinoschisis. I also practiced a lot to, to say that name. Or some people may pronounce it retinoschisis. But he was born with that disease, and by the age of 13, he was completely blind. But he said, instead of focusing on the things I cannot do, I'll focus on the thing I, things I can do. And he did it. He was uh, the first blind person to be able to reach up to the top of Mount Everest. And later on, he wrote his autobiography, which he titled, Touch the Top of the World, A Blind Man's Journey to Climb Farther than the eye can see. Now this man was born with this uh, disease and he decided to overcome any ob obstacles that would be in his way. Now there's one thing I guess you and I need to be aware of is that we have also born, been born with a disease that is called sin. And God is willing, God is always working all the time to make us aware of that. Because only when you are aware that you have some disease, you can look for treatment. If you live a life thinking that there is nothing wrong with you, you never go to the great physician for treatment, for help. And so the Holy Spirit is always working, trying to bring you that awareness. Trying to make you aware that there is something wrong deep down you. And that's this disease called sin. But that's not all, because the Holy Spirit is working, trying to draw on you to Christ, to make you understand that there is help with the great physician. There is a solution for you. And then once you are aware, you come to the great physician, and you ask for the treatment. And you may realize that you'll be on this treatment for life, at least until Jesus comes. When then we'll be changed, we'll be transformed completely. 
this fallen nature will be replaced by a perfect nature. The Bible says that the corruptible is going to put on incorruption. The mortal is going to put on immortality. We shall be forever changed. But Jesus says in the passage we saw today that it is possible to overcome. If it weren't possible, Jesus wouldn't have said, To him who overcomes, to the one who overcomes, I will promise this and that. And so it is possible to overcome. That's what the passage is saying here today. And the first text in this passage is the one that says, Here I am. Or in some versions, as the one up there on the screen, it says, Behold, I am at the door, I stand at the door and knock. And Jesus is aware that you and I are sinners. Jesus is aware that you and I have this disease called sin. And He is standing at the door and He is calling our attention to that because this is something quite unique. This is no ordinary thing. And Jesus said, look, pay attention, look up. Behold, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in to him and I'll dine with him. And I will dine with him and he will dine with me. So I want to call your attention to the with. Because Jesus is saying that I will come in and I'll dine with the person and the person will dine with me. And so Jesus is someone who is looking for companionship. Jesus is someone who is looking for friendship with you. Jesus is someone who is trying to offer you a second chance, sometimes a third chance, a twentieth chance, but Jesus is looking forward to friendship. And this is quite meaningful, I tell you. This is quite significant because we live in a world of exclusion. We live in a world where people are excluded. Maybe because of the color of their skin. They are excluded because of the place where they were born. They are excluded because they are not wealthy. They are excluded because of many other things. But Jesus is in the business of dining with you. And have you dine with him. It is the world of the without that we live in. But Jesus is in the business of the with. It is a world where men and women are struggling and toiling without the Bible. They are living without a Sabbath of rest. They are living day after day without prayer. Without songs of praise. All across the world they have rulers without justice and without righteousness. Homes without peace. Marriages without sanctity. Young men and women without ideals and enthusiasm. Little children without purity, without innocence, whose innocence has been robbed. Mothers without wisdom or self-control. Poverty without relief or sympathy. Sickness without skillful help or tender care. Sorrow and crime without a remedy. And worst of all, Death without hope. So in this world of withouts, and there are many of them, many more than the ones I, I mentioned here, Jesus is proposing the with. Jesus is proposing the within. And he wants to take place to have time with you and dine with you. Now the idea of this with does not stop there. 
Because in the next verse, you see that to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit, what? With me on my throne. And so not only Jesus is willing to enter your heart, not only Jesus is willing to enter the heart of the sinner, but he's promising that he is going to allow those who overcome to sit with him on his throne. Now this is quite meaningful as well, isn't it? Someone the other day said, well, Pastor, it must be a rather large throne to accommodate all of the redeemed sitting with Jesus. Someone else said, no, maybe it's one at a time. And that's fine. All one, one thing the Bible doesn't say, but I'm quite sure it must be a comfy, uh, a comfy chair, a comfy throne. But I don't think that the Bible is too concerned with the physicality of the throne, whether it's going to be large enough to accommodate all the redeemed or one at a time. I don't think the Bible is too concerned with that. I think the message here is that God is willing to allow sinners saved by grace to co-rule the universe with Jesus. They're going to share in the management of this entire universe. And that, I say again, it's quite significant. Thinking that human beings once fallen... Once uh, unruly and uh, traitors and unreliable, human, human beings who were once sinners, who were rebels, having been transformed, having, over, having overcome all of that, they are now allowed to sit with Jesus and share in the management of the universe. That sounds like a, a, a pretty much a great offer, isn't it? What a great proposal Jesus is doing here. What great proposal Jesus is making. What a great offering. What a great exchange. That human beings would be allowed to rule with him the entire universe. Jesus is offering this. And no one I think. No one in their right mind would ever refuse this. Would ever decline that offer. But Jesus sets forth a condition though. And I also, we also need to see this in the text. Because Jesus is saying that he will allow them to sit with him on the throne. They will share in the management of the universe. But Jesus says that it's not for everybody, is it? It is to him who overcomes. And that's not all that the text is saying. It's not only to him who overcomes. But it's to him who overcomes as he also overcame. And so Jesus looks at you, no matter what your background has been, no matter what you've experienced in life, no matter how much, how much abuse or difficulty you've been through, Jesus looks at you and he wants you to overcome. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be an overcomer. But this is not something like as if Jesus was sitting there on his throne enjoying the purity and beauty of heaven. And he allows you to go through suffering. He puts you to the test. And he sits there just looking you struggle and suffer all by yourself. Because the Bible is saying that Jesus wants you to overcome as he overcame. And so Jesus knows what he's talking about. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus, there isn't anything you may be going through in your life that Jesus will not go along with you. Or that Jesus has not experienced himself when he was here on earth. The Bible says that he has suffered 
exactly as we do today so that he might be able to sympathize with us in our struggles. And so Jesus knows what he's talking about. He wants you to overcome because he also overcame. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus overcame. Where others have been a disappointment, Jesus overcame. Where many others have given up, Jesus overcame. When he was subjected to hunger and thirst and pain and humiliation, he overcame. Jesus overcame temptation. He overcame even when he was being treated with contempt, rejection, ridicule, insult, mockery. He overcame falsehood. And Jesus points us to the path of Calvary and all the way to the scene of crucifixion, to his resurrection on the third day. And he does that, that we might be encouraged to press on toward the prize, the mark for the prize and reward of the overcomer. Jesus overcame and he says, as I have overcome, I want you to become victorious as well. And if you do, a place will be granted you with him on his throne. So I hope it is clear to you that Jesus expects you to be overcomer. Jesus expects you to be victorious. Not only uh, against those things that come from without, but those things that come from within. Jesus wants you to be victorious against sin that resides in your soul. Jesus wants you to be victorious about any questionings you may have, about any fear, victorious of the fears you have. Jesus wants you to be overcomer over any temptation that may be thrown your way. But how did Jesus overcome? Because Jesus is saying, to those who overcome as I have overcome. So how did Jesus overcome? And maybe if we can find that in the Bible, we'll be closer to obtaining victory. And Jesus says here in Philippians, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. These are the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So these are the words of Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. The Bible says, In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus had. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if you want to know how Jesus overcame it, he overcame it by taking the path of humble obedience. Because the Bible says that Jesus became obedient. He took the form of a servant, of a bond servant. And in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Now imagine this. Jesus, the creator of this universe. Jesus, as the Bible indicates, the one who said... Let there be light. And there was light. 
Jesus, the one who said, let us make man in our own image. And he built man from the dust of the ground. He formed man from the dust of the ground. The Bible says that he breathed into man's nostrils. And man became a living being. The same Jesus came in human form. And he humbled himself and he became obedient. And so there is no way out. I got to tell you this. If you want to overcome as Jesus overcame, we need to take the path of humble obedience. And through faith in Jesus and obedience to Him, you will be an overcomer as well. Victory is assured, but only through faith and obedience. But I got to tell you that taking the downward path is not always easy. I recognize that. And what happens is that instead of becoming overcomers, we get easily defeated by our own pride. You know, we live in a world today where there are are too many people, I guess, coming up with their own philosophies, with their own reasonings. And no one seems to be willing to listen to others. No one seems to be willing to be told what to do. But Jesus took the path of being humbly obedient. If Jesus was willing to do what the Father would tell him to do, why would not I be willing to do what other people may tell me to do? Why would, would I not be willing to do what the Bible tells me to do? Jesus wants you to follow him. Jesus wants you to, to allow him to be your leader. Because that's the, the only way you can find victory against sin, victory against fear, victory over Anything that may come your way. Now the disciple who is reading the words in Revelation. And I'm going back to Revelation 3. uh, We know who wrote these words, don't we? It was John. John who in the Gospels he's called the beloved disciple. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And here is John writing that Jesus will grant to those who are overcomers. To sit with him on his throne with, with Jesus. But this disciple, I don't know if you remember, he, was a brother, he had a brother named James. And one day, they, they came in agreement with their mother. And their mother went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you please place my two sons sitting next to you, one to your right hand, the other to your left hand, when you have your kingdom installed? And Jesus turned to them and said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're asking. Do you, really want, do you really want to suffer everything I have to suffer? And they said, what? Yes, we'll suffer anything. And Jesus may have thought again, they don't know what they're talking about. But Jesus said these words in Matthew 20, 26 to 28. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the path Jesus was willing to take. This is the path he's inviting you to take. To be humble, to listen to his word. To listen to Him. To listen to the voice of people God will send your way. With a message from God to you. Pride however kills too many a people. 
Pride defeats too many a Christian even. That reminds me of a story of uh, a clever, very, very much clever salesman in a small town. And he would close hundreds and hundreds of sales just simply with this line. When the customer would approach him, he would come and, and, and whisper in the customer's ears, let me show you something that several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. Come here. And the person would be filled with pride and say, what? My neighbors are saying that? I can, I can show them. I can't buy it. And that's how he was selling hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But pride destroys people. Pride overcomes many good people, including Christians. But that's not the path to victory, according to Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you, my friends, Jesus wants us to be overcomers. And we all go through storms in life. We all go through tsunamis in life. We all go through different difficulties and things. And these things come our way. Sometimes you may feel like the bottom fell right out of your world. Sometimes the storms and squalls of life will toss everything up. And when things finally settle down, you realize that they are no longer in the place they used to be. Every time, every time there is a squall, nothing will fall in the same place they used to be before. Now one may get angry about this, one may get annoyed, people may flounce around. That's no solution for that. None of that is God's desire for you. None of that is according to the example of Jesus Christ. That's not how Jesus overcame. Every trial in life is an opportunity for you to be an overcomer. It's like the bell boy. You know the bell, not the bell hop at the hotel, but the bell buoy. The bell, I think it's, it's pronounced boy or buoy. Out there in the sea. You know, it, it, it will not tell you, it will not predict the storm. But once the waves get higher and start to move it from side to side, there is a bell there that starts to, to ring. Bang, bang, bang. Everyone sailing around it knows that there is trouble coming. And they can take their precautions. But what the bell does is simply to tell of something that exists already. And so every trial in life is supposed to bring something out of you. And I hope it will be your faith in Jesus. I hope it will be your implicit confidence in Him. Because you can overcome as He has overcome. Truth is, after a storm, as I said... Nothing will fall back in its place. But you, expect, you are expected to live with things the way they are now. And still be victorious. You see friends, Jesus overcame and he wants you to overcome. He wants you to overcome pride. He wants you to overcome lust. He wants you to overcome addictive behaviors. He wants you to overcome any shortcomings of any sort. He wants you to overcome disappointment. He wants you to overcome anxiety. He wants you to overcome sin. All in the name of Jesus. Because He is the one who sustains you. He is the one who sustains all things by the power of His word.
is the one according to the Bible in Matthew 28 who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And it is through faith in Jesus and through obedience to his word that you too can be an overcomer. That's not something that's been promised for tomorrow. That's not something that's been promised for 10 years from now. That's not something that's been promised for next month or next year. It's something that has been promised for right now, here and now. You can become an overcomer today. You can attain victory today because that is God's promise. Whatever your difficulty may be, God is willing to give you victory in the name of Jesus. And if this is your desire, I can't help but appeal to you this morning. If this is your desire that you are willing to overcome, whatever it may be, if it's your fears, if it's your anything else, I invite you to stand. I invite you to stand because I want to offer a prayer to you. Jesus has a place right next to him on his throne. Jesus has a place as a co-regent of this universe to anyone who overcomes. And if this is your desire, let us pray. Heavenly Father, your angels in heaven are taking note of the sincere decision that these persons have made. Standing up and demonstrating before the unfallen, human, the unfallen beings around the universe. And demonstrating before the angels in heaven that they want to be overcomers, Lord. That they want to be granted a seat next to Jesus on his throne. That they want to have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And as your angels witness this, as they write down these decisions, I ask, Lord, that you may honor these decisions. And impart power from the Holy Spirit. That everyone standing here this morning will be victorious, victorious in their struggle with anything in this life. Mainly in our struggle against sin. Because we acknowledge, Lord, that this is a disease that we have to be with you for life until Jesus comes. And so we ask, Lord, that you may change us and transform us. And help us be confident that this promise can become a reality that this may be fulfilled in our lives today, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you these blessings. Amen.